and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Reread Podcast. I'm your host, David Jensen, joined, as always, with my co-host, Kyle Jens. Kyle, how you doing? I've been practicing a word in this upcoming chapter that we are going to feature, and I've been practicing it very hard so that I don't mess this up because last week I had issues. And it would put a lot of pressure on me because this is my chapter to recap. Yeah. This is chapter 22, Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix, Order of the Phoenix, St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. That's good. That's Nailed good. It. Yeah. I, uh, I thought if, how, if you hadn't got it, if we could have done like a, like a super cut of every time you said the word wrong in the episode um, was my initial thought as I started reading this chapter, but they don't actually say it that much. So you probably, you even probably in, would have been okay. You know how even in like the, at the top of the page, they always have what chapter you're in. Yeah. They don't even use this chapter is so long. The title that they don't even use it. They just put St. Mungo's hospital. That's fair. I didn't, I didn't catch that, but that's absolutely fair. Enough yeah. with the maladies. Enough with the maladies. <laughs> Enough with the maladies. I thought you were going to say you could use some St. Mungo's for your sinus head cold. That's also another thing that I could use right now. There are a lot of cool little contraptions and things that they do at this hospital. Seemed like a ward for every type of illness or ailment possible. Yeah. But yet I also feel like wizards wouldn't be able to cure the common cold because it's something that should be so simple for them. Yet, as we know, they're a little bit delayed in how they kind of handle the simplest of tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's do I it. I mean, look, I was just going to say, you could have your head cold or you could have had to shovel snow today like I did. Yeah. So, okay. I'll take uh, I'll take the head cold today. I'm I think not... I'll take this. I think I'll actually I'll honestly take the snow shoveling. I, I, I debated back and forth like, do I actually have to shovel? And I just thought I don't want to start the year out with ice on the driveway that I got a battle all all year. I'm so. so sorry. I can't wait to come back in the next few weeks as I shake my head. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a chance all this snow is gone. It's still pretty early. It's true. It's true. Um, but yeah. I have beautiful de- autumn leaves and green grass still. Yeah, when you're debating something versus a head cold, and head cold is not the complete wrong answer, you know it's not great. But <laughs> what is great, actually, is this chapter, chapter mm-hmm. 22, St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. Take us through it. All right. So this is shortly after now that Harry's had his nightmare vision injury to uh, Arthur Weasley. And McGonagall is brought to the Gryffindor common room. And so now Harry, Ron, and McGonagall are heading to Dumbledore's office so that he can know about this at once. Once they're there, Harry explains that he's had this quote unquote dream and how Mr. Weasley was attacked by a snake. Dumbledore being totally aloof again. He doesn't look Harry in the eyes the entire time, but he does kind of imply or seem to have this inkling and idea that Harry witnessed these events through the eyes of the snakes as he asks kind of, where did you see it? And he said, in my dream, of course, he's like, no, when you were in the vision, what were you physically looking at? So after he tells Dumbledore this, he goes to his uh, little 
headmaster crew. So basically inside of his office, he's got photos of all the other headmasters that have ever been part of Hogwarts. Since there's some pretty well-known and, and famous people, they actually have other portraits that are all over the world and all over the other place. So they can actually, instead of just going from portrait to portrait beside them, like that we've seen at Hogwarts in, in the past, they can actually go out and kind of spy or gather intel. So he sends a couple of those headmasters out uh, to try and find Arthur Weasley and to try and just kind of get a, a control of the situation. Uh, Ginny, Fred, and George have now joined Dumbledore in the office, and they are instructed that they along with Mrs. Weasley, will gather at Sirius's place as it is much closer to the hospital, St. Mungo's, which is where Mr. Weasley is at. Uh, they all take a port key there. Sirius keeps actually the kids in line this chapter because as they gather at Grimmauld Place, they want to go straight to the hospital, but he explains that Molly has to be the first one to go because the hospital would have been the first one to notify her or she would have been the first one to be notified via the hospital. So they can't just show up because someone had a vision, essentially. Uh, eventually, they get a letter from Molly via Fox the Phoenix saying that Arthur is still alive and to stay where they are for right now. After hours and hours of waiting, it's like five o'clock in the morning now, Molly comes back and reveals that Arthur will be okay. She thanks Sirius for taking care of the kids and asks if they can stay at Grimmauld Place for Christmas since it's closer to the hospital. Uh, so as the Weasleys console each other, Harry pulls Sirius aside to tell him everything and that he, in fact, was the snake in his vision, in his vision and it felt like that he had attacked Arthur. And... That even while he was in Dumbledore's office, he he kind of felt like he was still the snake and he wanted to attack Dumbledore during that time as well, which is important. Uh, Sirius responds by saying that he saved Arthur's life and by being so quick to let people know of what was going on and that he needs to rest. Harry, though, he's too scared to sleep that night. He doesn't want to turn into the snake again. So he stays up all night. In the morning, Moody and Tonks are there. They're going to escort everyone over to St. Mungo's, which is in the heart of London and disguised as an abandoned apartment store to Muggles. They visit with Arthur the next day in the hospital. He seems to be in pretty jolly spirits considering he almost died. Um, after a bit, the kids, aka Harry, Ron, Ginny, Fred, and George, they leave the room and the adults start talking. However, Fred and George have brought along their extendable ears to eavesdrop in on the conversation between Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, Tonks, and Mad-Eye, and they confirm that Harry is seeing inside of Voldemort's mind, and they're worried that he might be possessing Harry. Chapter. Yeah, it was fun. There it was, was fun. a lot going on, a couple different places covered. We get a lot of interaction with characters that we haven't seen for a long time, including uh, Dumbledore, which I think might be a yeah. good place to start. Yeah. So chapter starts off. We go talk to Dumbledore. Um, he immediately took Harry seriously. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I think at this point, and I guess this sort of, falls nicely into the fact that um or, or aligns with the fact that he had been sort of like ignoring harry dodging him dumbledore has some idea at this point that there's going to be some sort of connection 
between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. He absolutely has to. Otherwise he wouldn't be avoiding Harry at this point, And he wouldn't be trying to essentially just portray that the relationship that he has with Harry is nothing more than just a student to teacher type of relationship. Yeah. Cause clearly Dumbledore is a mentor and someone that Harry has relied on for a lot of strength and confidence and to overcome a lot of stuff that he has in the past. And that lifeline has essentially just been like ripped away from him, this book. And that angers him. Yeah. He's, he's not understanding. Um, He's not understanding what could possibly be going on. Um, And obviously he doesn't get any closure on that um, in this chapter, but this scene was awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. The portraits were so cool. The whole concept of the portraits. I don't really know. Like, obviously we have the portraits being the, um, like the password for the Gryffindor common room. It's like our most experience, most exposure to the portraits really. And like the fact that they can have like a functional, um, a functional sense. Um, They can, yeah, they can like kind of interact with them. We saw that one night, I think in the third book, I forget what his name was, but yeah, like they play. Sir, Sir Cadigan. Sir Cadigan, that was it. Yeah. But to that extent, that's the most that I think we've seen or known them for up until this point. Yeah, I certainly don't think we had at this point, up to this point, we had any idea that they can jump around the world mm-hmm. uh, and pass information. That's How awesome. How handy is that? That's if so awesome. If you're, the, if you're the headmaster and you have basically this network of spies that can go in and out of any of the photos that they have hung up anywhere in the world. And clearly it's coming useful because the photos are hung up in St. Mungo's at the ministry, like all these key locations that you're either to gather this Intel and send notes and communications. Like it's, it's endless, the possibilities that you actually have with all this at your disposal. And not only that, but it seems like the headmasters or the photos have to listen to them too. There was Phineas. Yeah, there's like an argument. Phineas Nagellus. Yeah. There's an argument. He's kind of, he's obviously the one who's a, a descendant of the black um, line. He doesn't really want to help, but they kind of can, I guess they can coerce him to. It makes you wonder what, like how these portraits get created. I don't think we ever really learn. Like does Dumbledore after his death, does he have a portrait? You'd assume um, so. But then you would think Snape would have dropped the portrait somewhere that they could get the info, but maybe not. Maybe maybe it takes a while to get these portraits made. Like we know Dumbledore has the little cards, the chocolate frog cards, but mm-hmm. they don't talk to you. No. So that would be a cool bit of lore that to get that um sorted out one day but i just that was just like cool magic like that again that's like that makes magic cool that whole portrait um, network yeah there's not too too much else that really comes out of that conversation um he obviously takes them seriously 
he immediately has a plan in place that he's going to get them a port key. He's going to get them to, to Sirius right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it helps again that he has the, the portrait that can go back and forth between him and Sirius. So if he needs to follow up on anything, that's no problem. Um, the other, th- only other thing I really glammed on to, that's not a word, but that's fine. Glammed on. Glammed uh, glam off. I didn't remember Fox making an appearance in this book. And I always yes. thought it's weird that he's the cover in a book he's not even in. Um, but he's in it here and he's doing more cool stuff. He can basically apparate away. Mm-hmm. Um, which it, uh, this bird is the coolest bird in the history of all magical creatures. He just, you know, doesn't really die. Uh, re- continuous rebirth. Uh, magical property, cr- um, magical properties for its crying tears. I'm going to catch talk about that a bit more later. Um, and then we can just apparate and send past messages around. That's the, everyone should get a phoenix. It's pretty badass. Yeah. The only thing I would add is we kind of see the first time Harry and he touches on it a bit where he's like, Oh, I felt like I felt like I was the snake. I felt like oh, I yeah. wanted to attack Dumbledore in this moment. And like, I think we have to know, or we have to assume that that's Voldemort's feelings and thoughts and that type of thing. So is this Voldemort now, do you think at this point in the book, he has connected and he has realized that he kind of has this, channel into harry i think arthur getting help as soon as he did is what caused it yeah like i think i think when the guinea is scouring the depart i think voldemort's in there as well so there's actually another thing that happens that, that we didn't talk about is voldemort or not voldemort, dumbledore goes to his desk and he per- pulls out a weird contraption that has like some smoke come out and then the smoke makes the form of a snake and then it splits into, mm-hmm. I think in the snake, in the ministry, there was the snake. And I think the snake is like barely there at that point. And I think it's Voldemort in the snake. And I think Harry's in the snake. And what happens is Voldemort's driving. We're all experiencing Voldemort. And then Harry gets like dropped in. And I think at that point when Harry gets dropped in and he realizes that he's there Voldemort also realizes that he's there yeah so like in Game of Thrones they call it like warging like brand like wargs into summer and and they you know parade all around yeah I think Voldemort is somehow projecting his consciousness into the snake in this moment and so is Harry and probably to do with the Horcrux unintended consequence and that's and that's how it is and I think at this point this is when Voldemort realizes it's possible. And then I think you're you're probably right. The the hatred that Harry's feeling is via Voldemort, via the snake. Like mm-hmm. I think Voldemort thinks of himself of, of like a bit like a snake. Yeah. Um the whole Slytherin's air thing. Um so I think that's what we're seeing. I think you're hundred percent right. Anything else on this portion of the book that you wanted to cover? No, this was cool though. This was like if the chapter had ended there, which it could have, I don't know why these <laughs> chapters need to be so long. This would have been far and away the best chapter in the book so far. Um, just the Dumbledore interaction is is good, and the and the um, the uh, portrait stuff. I just love that magic um, ability. So, I mean, to be fair, it still might be the best chapter in the book because where we're going to go next, which is 
visiting Earth are also pretty good. Some interesting stuff came out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the first thing, I, I don't really have anything to say on what happens between when Dumbledore sends them to Grim Old Place and when they go to St. Mungo's. Like, I don't have too much to say on, on that. I, I have a bit more. It'll probably come up later. But sure. I, I really, Yeah, I, I have some stuff that might come up later, but I don't have, like... From a plot commenting perspective, I don't really have anything to say. No, I think it just basically firmly establishes that that is where they are going to be spending Christmas, that it's nice and close. You kind of get some cool world building in regards to where the hospital is located and how it is hidden from muggles in plain sight. So I kind of, I liked that because I'd completely forgot basically that that's how the hospital was was kind of hidden right in the middle of this big city. But besides a little bit of world building and just confirming that that's going to be, Grimmel Place will be the headquarters where they're at, I don't think there's much else to kind of touch on at that point. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, my first point on visiting Arthur is the fact that um, uh, this hospital is just a random muggle building. It's like a department store. It's like a closed, probably a department. Sears. Yeah. And, you know, or the, uh, the and not the Bay. The Bay still has all its department stores in, in the malls. The Zellers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of interesting. I guess it makes sense. It doesn't There's no room in Diagon Alley. Um, underground, like they did the ministry. Yeah, that's not a good place for healing. So just a random disguised building. I don't know why it couldn't just be in the middle of nowhere. But like I guess this, this is easier easier access if there's a reason you can't transport your guest, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Or not your guest, your patient. I loved how just jovial and unbothered Arthur seemed to be about this whole thing. It just propped up reading the Daily Prophet and just kind of like didn't seem to care at all it was just kind of like oh well it is what it is and this is what it is and i am still in a better position than maybe a lot of the other people who are in this hospital are in the first place but i think that says a lot about his character as well because we know him as a very carefree person so this is interesting because i made note of this as well do you think he's just putting it on for the children no that's a good point like he wants to make it seem like well we've gotten the good news i will be okay so i'm going to act like i'm much better than i'm probably handling because i don't want to freak out the kids now to be fair when the kids leave the kids are already yeah um and they're listening he, he doesn't seem he doesn't like come up like another person i think you're definitely on to something along the lines of this it is still his personality to look at the brightest possible like the positive most optimistic outcome but i wondered it was like is he putting it on a little bit because he doesn't want anybody to worry because it that's feels like fair. that's also part of his personality. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a very good point. Um, like if if I had got attacked by a snake and had snake bite holes that go close, I not going to be jolly. Jolly would not be the word you describe me ever, but certainly not in that scenario. Well, I'm pretty sure they said that it he broke his ribs with the bite, right? Like snapping the ribs in half. Like this wasn't just like a little, a little. Nibble. This was a vicious attack, not a, you know. Uh, the snake got him like like he would have died had harry not seen him i I don't don't know if we've said that specifically i mean you captured it in your in your recap for sure but yeah no there's no portraits getting around fast enough finding the right person in the ministry to um 
to find him like that all mattered and it wouldn't have happened had Harry not been there. So he's feeling, this is sort of an undertone of the whole chapter. He's feeling guilty and everybody's feeling great, uh, gracious towards him. And he can't reconcile those two emotions that are happening or his emotions and, and the emotions of everybody else. He is struggling with those mm-hmm. this chapter. Yeah, no, absolutely. The um, key thing that I think we sort of get out of the initial interaction between Arthur and his family is George puts it together that he was guarding the the quote unquote weapon. Um, so we know there's a weapon. We don't know anything about it. We don't know what it is. We don't know where it is. We still don't know where Arthur was yeah. not confirmed to this point. Um, there are some hints and, and we obviously know where he was. And there are some hints that let you know where he was by the end of this chapter. And we'll Which talk was about those. the, yeah, the daily prophet hint I'm guessing you're talking about. Well, so, so George figures out they're guarding this weapon. And then um, the, there's a, a question and it may, I may, I don't actually, now I'm, now I'm questioning my own sanity. Well, here's what I had. I had okay. at one point they were talking with the kids and Arthur is, um, he's that someone asks if it's in the prophets at all and Arthur's explaining oh no like uh, he says something that like he says the ministry wouldn't want everyone to know a great dirty snake got into dot 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 so I think that like because Molly cuts him off at that yeah. point so, I so he's think going to it's hinting that it's he's going to reveal magic. that it was he was definitely in the ministry yeah he's definitely at the department of mysteries in the ministry that I think is still a little bit up in the air to this point. Um, mm-hmm. So one comment, and I had this later, but we might as well talk about it now, is there's a comment that Molly makes that says, look at poor Sturgis. Well, this is when she's talking to Harry mm-hmm. and Harry, and she's being gracious that they, that not only did Harry find him in time to save him, they found him in time to make sure he wasn't discovered because if he had been discovered where he was, look at porch sturgis yeah now what does that mean do you have any idea who sturgis is yeah sturgis was the one who was supposed to be taking harry right and escorting him to the platform that day the I platform. Was. sturgis yeah. podmore there was yeah. the mention of him i couldn't remember why we knew who he was so i looked it up so where is he right now he is in azkaban for trying to break into the department of mysteries yeah yeah so right there so I believe we've already been told that information. I think it came up in a letter or in a Daily Prophet. Yeah, article. I think it was it was a Daily Prophet article. So so we knew where he was there. Yeah, that's a lot of connections that I don't think you can make unless you're looking for them because that's like they're just throwaway lines. All the yeah. Sturgis Podmore stuff is just throwaway lines. Um, so that's why we're here. You're welcome, everyone. It's Bertina. Um, it's Jorkins. Brenda it's Jorkins. Birthday, all, it's Bertha Jorkins. It's Bertha Jorkins all over again. Um, Dumbledore also comes through big as well because I think part of the explanation of this cover-up is they not only get Arthur help right away, but Dumbledore is able to come up with a way to explain why he was there in the first place too, I think that's mentioned, which is huge because otherwise he would have been caught and yeah, exactly like Sturgis Podmore. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah, it's great. So then George is the one who figures out he's guarding. And they're like, Shh, stop talking. We don't want the kids to know anything, even though they, they are. This is sort of a theme of this chapter stupid. is what if we just told people information that they're going to figure out eventually and are going to potentially get themselves in trouble with if they can't figure the information out? So fine, whatever. 
the kids leave the room. Then they're going to eavesdrop on the adults. Number one, adults, come on. You know know your children. Um, number two, this is where Matt, I think it is, has a quote that says, if Voldemort is possessing him, this is for sure going to spiral Harry off. We can make predictions about that in a sec. But it means that not only did Dumbledore not tell Harry what's going on or what his hypothesis is, he didn't tell the rest of the order either, mm-hmm. right? Like, like they're they're guessing as to how Harry could have done this, how he could have known. Um, and so I think that goes to uh, goes to kind of show it's not just Harry he's keeping in the dark. He keeps his secrets very um, specific to people who need to know. And I think that's probably a good idea in terms of fighting a war, but it's just interesting to me. That was sort of like an interesting tidbit that some of the top order members are in the dark about mm-hmm. this well, key he, Harry fact. He keeps his cards very close to his chest because yeah, all it takes is Mad-Eye Moody, who we know is kind of on the front lines of this war right now. He gets captured or something. He has this information. There's nothing stopping the Death Eaters from figuring that out and gaining that intel, right? So like it, I can see why he is keeping it so quiet at this, but at the same time, it's just it's tough to kind of pull strings of everyone to get them to do what you want them to do without explaining why and that type of thing so that's the reason why he comes off so aloof from everyone and just not really seem to be engaged with his crew or his 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 order mates this time around yeah so i mean that that's sort of really it out of the visit um anything that i didn't that we didn't talk about that you captured okay this is good um so we had some predictions on this episode they were not bad, not bad predictions. So, uh, a couple things that didn't hit. Uh, you thought we might get Christmas. No, no. The book's not going to move that fast. Heaven forbid. Um, I thought we might learn about Neville. No, that, again, I'm, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, obviously, we knew they were going to visit Arthur. Um, you had predicted maybe we'd see Sirius. We definitely did. I had said we were going to learn that Arthur was at the ministry when he was attacked. We got, we pretty much got that confirmation. We both talked about that Dumbledore was going to continue to be dodgy to Harry. Definitely happened. And then we argued about, we didn't argue, but we took different sides of the prediction of, are we going to finally talk about occlumency? Nope. Nope. Because we basically got kicked out of Hogwarts as soon as, as soon as we could, which I forgot. That's a nice, beautiful transition. I forgot how fast we left the school here. Like it was immediate. They didn't grab any of their stuff. No, basically immediately out of there. Um, The Christmas at Grimold Place happening was something I had forgotten. And I definitely forgot like all of the details around St. Mungo's. They're not really important, but I, if you told me where is St. Mungo's, I just would have been like, it's just in a place. They don't talk about it. No, they're very detailed as to all the different things it treats, where it exists, how they like keep muggles out, that they treat some of all of those details right over my head, completely yeah. or right out of my head, completely forgot. Yeah. 
the only thing and you had touched on it earlier because i remember we had talked about it a few weeks ago that there was no phoenix in this book so why is it on the cover but we do get to see that indeed um fox is around for this one so that was kind of cool um other than that though yeah that that was kind of the big thing for me along with a lot of this book in small stuff yeah now the one the biggest thing that i had forgotten was the whole portrait situation Mm -hmm. and like i can't Mm -hmm actually believe that i forgot that because it's so cool again i'm gonna say that again but like it's just like such cool magic that i a why they didn't why didn't they put that in the movie that would have been awesome to see b i can't believe that i forgot it and then it made me think like what do we like none of this stuff happens in the movie they like cut this whole i'm very interested to see what this movie actually is yeah me too like I know obviously Arthur has to get attacked. Otherwise we don't have to keep plot points from the end, but it's going to be more like he gets attacked and then they're like immediately back. It's like, I'm very interested to see how we handle this specific stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I don't remember. Maybe we go to St. Mungo's in the movie. I don't think so, but maybe. I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. Cause then you're probably insinuating that we learn about Neville's parents, which I don't think we do in the movie. I don't know if that's touched on at all, his plot line and that type of thing. So we'll see. No, the movies don't really. I mean, and, and not uh, like there's not a criticism of the movies that they don't really deal with Neville. No, just like they don't really deal with Jenny. There's no time. Yeah. Uh, so this will make the the TV show of this book series very interesting because they have time to to space out all the things in the books that that got cut from the movies. So, yeah. Yeah, you get a um, chance to explore a lot of those characters that you otherwise wouldn't have. So I, I will tell you that, like, I wasn't like super in- interested in them like rebooting this as a TV show. But as we've been going through this book in particular, I think it might be cool to see them take on the things that the movie didn't take on. Yeah, um, like I yeah. think that will be the the biggest draw to me to this TV show. Like the first three I... are basically going to be canon. Like there are going to be very few changes. I think, yeah. but you could probably even do. A couple of the first ones in the first season right or like the first yeah i'm, I'm curious like but... well i'm sure we'll do some podcasts on on the, the shows as we um as we get there but it's uh this book the last book a little bit more like there's so much detail that got cut um like this chapter for example this chapter mm-hmm. is a whole episode like it's a whole episode of a tv show um maybe a little bit like you definitely have the cliffhanger of Arthur getting attacked at the end of an episode. And then this is at least half an episode, depending on how much we're going. So that'll be fun. Now there are things that do not make sense. And I want to talk about our favorite bird on the cover. Book number two, Fox appears. Harry is bitten by a poisonous snake. Harry is dying. The bird just cries. Harry survives. The bird was with Molly Weasley to send messages. The bird has magical crying healing tears. They cannot figure out how to close the wounds on Arthur Weasley. Could we try the Phoenix tears from the bird that's right there? (laughs) What? Why are we using this bird to cure every disease? I mean, maybe, maybe it has like a certain limited range, but we've seen it cure poisonous snake bites. And this is, it's basically the same. Like I'd say a basilisk's venom and bite is probably way worse than anything you're going to get from a regular size snake as well. Yeah. Even if, even if the guinea is a pretty big snake, she's not a basilisk. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, 
like that that uh, that bob that bothered me when uh when as soon as he made the appearance and then it was like four pages later they're like the snake bites won't close you what had are we the doing answer here? what are we doing here um that's like the biggest thing then i got a couple like small things um why it bothers me that dumbledore doesn't take this opportunity before he ferrets them out to explain a little bit about what's happened but there might not be enough time so i'm willing to kind of let it go not really i don't understand how umbridge found out they were out of bed so fast yeah filch didn't they go they by filch to, they went by mrs norris okay they, okay i think that has to explain it okay there's a there's a thing about mood i matt uh, matt i having to wear like a hat that sort of covers his eye yeah again this is a land of magic we can't make it look like he has a regular eye to muggles not to like other wizards but no, like to muggles just look the same yeah yeah um and then I just kind of thought, imagine you purchased a famous portrait of a famous wizard and they just choose to never hang out at your house. You spent because all this money on a portrait and they're just like, I'm going to hang out at my other my other portrait locations. Your house is not important enough. It's not important enough. Things. We don't care. Yeah. Uh, anything that jumped out to you that didn't make sense? Dumbledore's passwords. What was his first one? Like lemon drops or lemon something? Lemon sherbet. Lemon, lemon sherbet. And this one is fizzing wisby, which... I assume is just another Some candy. British candy. They're both like, British candy. It's yeah. just candy. People are going to crack that code. No problem. And break into your office when you least expect it. When you, I don't think he's worried about that. Theme. I don't think he's worried about that. Then what's the point of having a password? I keep uh, the students out because the students don't know the password, but like, I don't think he's trying to keep people out of his office. I think he has enough magical protections on things that need magical protections that he's not All too right. worried about. But that's fair. The only other one was just Molly, Arthur, Tonks, Mad Eye. They're having like this super private conversation. A, they're being eavesdropped on by the extendable ears. By their snoopy children. By their snoopy, snoopy children. Children who are yeah. infamous for being snoopy. Yeah. But then also you're just in a ward where there's like at least three or four other patients just hanging out in the room too. Yeah, they they literally mentioned, oh, here's the guy who just got bit by a werewolf. Here's someone who won't disclose what she was bit. Uh, yeah, not the best place to have uh, secret conversations or conversations about secret things. So that's fine. Um, any other thoughts on the chapter? nothing really like i think we covered a lot of it and like a lot of the other little thoughts have just kind of come out naturally throughout this discussion yeah yeah i, I don't have anything else i want to talk about uh yet uh what quote did you take down for this chapter mine was it wasn't even like a quote from a character but as harry and sirius are there and like the weasleys don't have any idea how their dad's doing and they have Harry and Sirius kind of connect in this moment. It says Harry and Sirius looked at each other every so often, intruders upon the family grief. And I just I think that that was just a really impactful way of kind of putting it and how they're there in a situation that they don't really feel like they should be there for. Yeah. And especially when you factor in the fact that these are two people who don't always feel like they have their own family. Yes, that's also a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is not like, like, yeah, it, it's interesting when you think about it from that perspective, because they're not really connecting with what would it feel like to be those people? Because in their minds, they don't have a family because, I mean, Sirius has been in jail for 13 years. 
and Harry hasn't flipped the switch in his mind that he does have a family and this is his family. Yeah. And he hasn't accepted it yet. So he still looks at himself as an outsider. Uh, I had a quote from a similar point in the uh, chapter, which is Sirius is. So this is basically Sirius replying to Harry about Dumbledore, like keeping him in the loop. And Sirius says, I'm sure he would have told you if it was anything to worry about. Uh, no, that is, in fact, not how Dumbledore Quite operates Sirius Black. Quite the opposite. Because this is something he should worry about, which we all will eventually get into. Good chapter. Now, some difficult choices. Yes. LVP, MVP. I had a hard time picking who would be kind of least valuable in this situation because everyone plays a role that's Mm -hmm. very important. Dumbledore is quick to react. Harry was quick. They all got there as soon as they could. Dumbledore knew exactly what to do. Sirius was great in kind of keeping the kids at bay. The kids can't really be faulted for anything this chapter. And like Ron wasn't an idiot, mostly because he was in grief. So I picked Tonks because I didn't think that she was able to read the room. We didn't talk about it much in the recap, but at one point when they're heading out to um, to St. Mungo's, she's kind of prying at Harry for more information about his vision and wanting to like, Oh, do you have any seers in the family? Like you must have some kind of link. And it's clearly a topic that Harry doesn't want to be talking about. I guess you could also say that Harry could maybe be an LVP because he wasn't uh, honest with everyone at the end. When he described his vision, he described it as him being outside and and looking at it from the outside where Ron kind of gave him a look. Like it's kind of a sidetrack and just something that came to me, but I'm still going to keep with Tonks this. Chapter. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I'm going to go with Dumbledore. I just think this was the perfect opportunity for him to download some of the information he's been holding back. Yeah. Um, and it becomes clear that he is keeping de- like fairly key details from multiple different people and just how much knowing what happens at the end of this book, how much better would it have been if he had just provided a little bit of info in the times when he could. And this is certainly a time where he could have explained to Harry, okay, everybody take the poor key. I'm going to send Harry 10 minutes later, I'm just going to fill him in on, on what I think is going on. Like, I think there was a good opportunity there that didn't have to be ignored. And I think we're going to pay for it later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm going to go with Dumbledore. That's fair. I think ultimately, and I think, I feel like there's a Dumbledore quote about this at one point where it's like, there's no secrets in Hogwarts or there is no, I don't know. It, I think he would have known at that point, like if he tells Harry then he's going to tell Ron, then they're going to tell Hermione, and then the Weasley's brothers, like the twins will know, and eventually it's no longer a secret, right? So I think maybe that's, that's where fair. it comes from. That's fair. I mean, that's certainly probably what he's thinking to justify it, but like the information he's holding back is basically his hypothesis on, on this connection. Mm-hmm. The connection, like the hypothesis of the connection being out there doesn't actually do anyone any harm. Right, like, if the if the if the question is, what, like, if the if the news travels that Voldemort and Harry have this connection, like, what what's the worst case scenario that comes out of it? Like, 
some of the students are afraid of Harry. They're already afraid of Harry. Like we've talked about like the first like 18 chapters of this book where Harry's feeling isolated because not everybody believes him. Like, and I'm sure half of that is because half of these people think that already anyways. Mm. So I just, I just don't know that there's too much downside for him to provide the teeniest bit of knowledge to ease his mind a little bit. But again, we're kind of picking at straws here because like you said, nobody really had a bad chapter. Could have given it to Creature for not being in uh, around to make breakfast. There we go. Exactly. Um, flip side, MVP. Mm-hmm. Couple options. Well, for me, there was only one option, but I'm sure there could have been a couple options. Who did you decide to think about? Oh, I only thought of one because... Okay, so we might be on the same page here. I really liked Sirius yeah, Black same. this chapter. Um, I want, before you before you go, I just want to... This is like the only note I wrote down was an actual adult <laughs> was literally though like yeah. that's it he was logical this chapter he actually kind of acted like a responsible adult because i think maybe he realized oh i'm in a room with a bunch of kids who are absolutely horrified that their father is going to die i guess i'm the one who has to step up here so while they yeah. wanted to all run off to the hospital he kept them all in line not only that though but he also didn't lose his cool when Fred clearly strikes a nerve with him because he called Sirius out for not risking his neck out there yeah. like everyone else was. Yeah. So He takes a deep breath. He settles himself. I think this is the positive side of Sirius Black is we know he's a bit like over eager to get involved. We know he's he's a bit childish in his like general day-to-day philosophy on life. But here's a crisis, and all of a sudden, there's a flip of the switch, and he's in it. And I think we've seen that from him previously, and I think we see that from him again towards the end. It's like, time for crisis. I'm going to step up for these people who need me around me. And like that's that's where you can kind of see, like, oh, this is why he was the best friend of James and Lily Potter. Like, Because when you need him, you can count on him. Um, when you only kind of need him, you can't really count on him but you certainly can count on him in, in this crisis. And it's a legitimate crisis to your point. The kids want to go out and ruin everything and make things. Had he not been there, had he been on board with their plan, who knows what would have happened, Arthur? Yeah. Because then they got to ask, they, they got to answer the question, how do we know he's there? And there's no answer to that. No, exactly. So, um, yeah. Big ups to, uh, to Sirius here. He really took ownership in the moment that the Weasley family needed him. And then we actually see more, like more on that. Like when Molly gets there, he makes her feel comfortable. They've been butting heads previously and there's like no tension on that at all. He's there's, like, whatever you need, you're going to stay here. It's going to be great. Between yeah. There's like them. a comment on like, she's like, we'll have to stay here till Christmas. And he's like, that's amazing. And like immediately she's like, oh, great. Like he's happy about that. Like you're not intruding. Like, it's just a good, just a good chapter from him, who's not been having the best chapters up no, to this exactly. point in this book. He needed a little help, so we're giving it to him here today. Today we are giving it to him. Tomorrow we're going to read. Well, not tomorrow, but tomorrow, chapter twenty-three, Christmas on the closed ward. What's going to happen? Okay, we 
we'll obviously spend some more time at Grimald Place back at the hospital. They're going to meet Neville, I think. And I think Neville's we finally get the, the info on Neville. Yeah. yeah, I think that that'll happen. I think also there's just going to be a lot of confusion. I think maybe Harry's going to become a little bit more edgier and angrier nope, again. Wrong. Harry's going to have a complete meltdown. <laughs> That's my prediction is Harry is going to have a complete meltdown about potentially being uh, influenced or controlled by Voldemort. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's not really great news to be able to handle <laughs> no. at, the, at the best of times. So no, um, that's about all that I can think of. Yeah. My, my, my last prediction is we're not going back to Hogwarts this chapter. No. Like we're basically going to have Christmas on the closed ward. Like the chapter implies we're going to run into Neville. We're going to talk to him. Harry's going to be freaking out the whole time. And we're going to really wish we're back at Hogwarts because this chat, this chapter that we just read, awesome. My main prediction about the next chapter is it's going to be a bit of a... Uh, ebbs and flows. I was going to call it a drag. That doesn't seem fair. I'm going to call it a bit of a drawn out chapter. Like, I was just um, like flipping through to see what the next chapter was. Normally, I just look at my spreadsheet, but I was looking through and like, this next chapter seems horrifically long. Uh, it is, it's not, it's shorter than the chapter we just read, but I just, as I was flipping through the, the book to find to the next chapter to, to figure out what the next chapter was called, um, it seems like it's a lot of pages. So that's why I feel like we're going to have a bit of a slower drawn out chapter, um, next time. And I, I don't think, think so there's going to be too much. I actually think the main prediction, which is what we both kind of landed on here. I don't think there's going to be too much going on. Yeah, I think that now we've kind of had our big moment. So things kind of, the dust needs to settle. Everyone kind of needs to figure out where they're at. Yeah, until yeah I mean, the we... last three chapters we had, we had Hagrid's Tale, a decent amount going on there. We had the Eye of the Snake, which is a big, uh, a big, a, bi a pretty big chapter. Like when you have, when you consider the fact that we have the whole Cho Kiss, which is a big deal in the mm -hmm. evolution of, of where we're going uh, with Harry specifically. On a recap, it's not that big a deal, but in the moment, it's quite big. Um, and then we have, of course, the snake attack. And now we have the the immediate aftermath. We need a bit of a slower, I think we're in for a bit of a slower chapter. That is likely what we will see. Give us a follow in the meantime on Instagram at Harry Potter Reread Podcast. Yeah. Next time, Christmas on the closed ward. Looking forward to it. Merry Christmas, y'all. <laughs> it might be Christmas by the time you hear this. <laughs> actually it might be pretty close to christmas by the time we read that if we're just kind of factoring it out we're, we're a few we're a few we got we got some recordings in the bank because we felt bad about uh holding you guys out um of, of you know your friday podcast so you pay your good money for this so exactly yeah. exactly i'm david that was kyle bye mm -hmm.